0: This is episode 32 of the Rebel Matters podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Anne O'Carolan, and this week my guest on the show is the chair of the Ireland-Palestine Solidarity Committee, Fatin Altamimi. This episode is particularly relevant because of the fact that we've recently launched our very own project to open a volunteer gym in the Laji Centre, which is attached to the Ada Refugee Camp in Bethlehem in the West Bank. The long and the short of this project is that I was over in the West Bank on two occasions last year. The first time was in March when I spent about 10 days out there and ran the Palestine Half Marathon. When I came back, I was kind of beside myself for a few weeks because of the magnitude of what I seen when I was out there kind of just hit me as soon as I got back to Cork. So I went back out in August for uh, two weeks and wanted to go out there with a the mind of coming up with some sort of project that would be kind of proactive and do something productive to help in any way that was possible out there. When I was out there in August, I spent most of my time at the Ada refugee camp in Bethlehem and in particular at the Lazi Centre which is a kind of a grassroots community centre that helps with promoting culture and health within the camp. And because of the fact that the residents of the Ada refugee camp are living under constant occupation and constant threat from the Israeli army and living in pretty cramped conditions there. There's over 5,500 of them living in the camp itself. There's very high levels of diabetes, uh, hypertension and a whole host of mental health issues that come with living under that sort of constant strain of occupation. And I was talking to one of the founders of the Ladji Centre about this and actually kind of struck me that this may be something that we may be able to help help with because of the fact that here in Ireland and in Cork actually we're helping people with those kind of you know getting healthy and um, dealing with underlying kind of medical conditions and helping people improve their health on a daily basis so uh, Salah, who I was talking to, thought that it was a pretty good idea. And since then, we've just launched the GoFundMe campaign to get this project off the ground. The project itself has kind of got three phases in it. The first is the fundraising, where we need to raise 30 grand to cover all the costs of the project, uh, equipment then renovating the room over there, and also covering the travelling expenses of four or five young people from the camp to come over to Ireland Get training from us so that we can then go back over with them and help them put the the whole gym and program in place so that it runs like a kind of self-sufficient program for the people in the camp, which is kind of the third part of the project is to go over there and put the gym in and get the whole program off the ground. So this episode ties in very well with that. If you want to get behind that project, you can go to gofundme.com forward slash West Bank Gym and you'll see a bit more detail about the project there and you can also donate through that avenue as well. But this episode was really, really interesting. A brilliant insight into what's happening over in Palestine from someone who is living in Ireland for quite a number of years but has still has a lot of family over in Palestine and has got first-hand experience of what it's like living under Israeli occupation. So if you're interested in learning a bit more about what's going on out there, then this is going to be a really good episode for you. There's also another few episodes back in the lane that... Discuss Palestine, my own time over in Palestine, and some sounds and stuff that are recorded while I was over there. So you can have a look back through the previous episodes and find them for yourself. And of course, all the episodes are available wherever you usually listen to your podcast, and they're also available on the new website that I set up, Rebel Matters. Ie. You can go there and check out some of my blog posts as well if you if you fancy it. Uh, one last thing before we get stuck into the episode. Last week, I set up a Patreon account for this podcast, which means that you can actually support the podcast with a wee monthly um subscription or um patronage as such to the podcast which really helps keep the whole show on the road and cover some of the cost of the traveling around to meet the guests and getting the the production and all of the podcast done and getting the podcast up online if you don't want to do that of course then uh, it's no problem podcast still free i really hope you're enjoying the show so far and um getting some really nice feedback from people uh I'm getting some really nice feedback from people uh, about the shows and good suggestions about um, possible guests that are in the future. So keep that coming. You can get in touch with me through either the Rebel Matters website or um, on any of the social medias. Just um, drop me a line. Let me know what you think. So let's just get stuck into the podcast episode with the chair of the Ireland-Palestine Solidarity Committee, Fatin' Ultimate Me. Would it be possible for you to give like a kind of a brief, like timeline of how we ended up where we are today? Like, so does, does it go back to 1948 or before that?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it started before the 1948. The Palestinians' uh, uh, plight, if you want to say, call it, but uh, um, 1917 when Belfar uh, gave the land uh, to. The people uh, of uh, the Jewish people, I should say, Uh, promised them the land uh, he doesn't own, but uh, he promised them Mm -hmm. so that that then started the Zionist uh, uh, groups started growing uh, in Palestine and uh, the immigration uh, for Jewish people come back to, to the land they Belfar promised them, uh, they went uh, to, started to migrating to Palestine. But uh, the Palestinian uh, catastrophe, uh, what we call it, Al Nakba, uh, when it started in 1948, when more than 750,000 Palestinians uh, were forcibly removed from uh, Palestine to, for, for the establishment, the creation of the State of Israel. So these people uh, had to leave. At that time, of course, many were killed. Uh, Many villages were destroyed. They left to within Palestine, to the West Bank uh, and other areas in uh, Palestine. And some of them uh, fled to the neighboring countries like Jordan, Syria, Egypt. um, And we became the largest uh, refugee uh, population in the world there are more than 7 million uh, refugees around the world Palestinian refugees now uh, after the creation of the State of Israel in 1948 and of course in 1967 then when Israel decided to occupy the rest of Palestine they occupied the West Bank and Gaza and uh, the Golan Heights in Syria so uh, that caused more uh, Palestinians to be to become refugees and flee to the other the neighboring countries. So that's how we came now the the largest refugee population in the world.
0: And. So that process has kind of just continued since 1967? It's
1: unfortunately it's still continuing. Up to, the, to this day, uh, the ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people still going on. Uh, the As you see in the West Bank, <laughs> what's left like that, with the illegal settlements, uh, uh, building expansion everywhere in the West Bank. So we can't see the West Bank. Uh, most of the, the West Bank is gone uh, because of these uh, illegal settlements uh, being built uh, in the occupied land.
0: Like one thing that maybe that the international community are given the perception of is that there's a peace process happening like that, that stemmed from the Oslo like, Accords in mm-hmm. the mid-90s, but it doesn't seem to be any sort of peace process happening there at all when you're out there. So what's, the, what's the feeling what about that? What peace process
1: without justice for the Palestinian people? What peace is without justice? Uh, the Oslo Agreement actually made it worse to the Palestinians. It's uh, a better... Uh, agreement to the Israelis because that made them uh, easier to grab more land and uh, take more resources from the Palestinian uh, people. So the Oslo was a disaster to the Palestinian people. It, it made it way worse uh, than uh, before.
0: And how did you end up then coming to Ireland originally? Uh,
1: my parents uh, left Palestine uh, late 50s. Uh, for better work Um, uh, they were teachers they weren't married when my father left my father left first and then uh, he brought my mom Uh, he went back and got married and left to Qatar to to live uh, for a better life but then they stayed out uh, after the 67, who's out to stay out and uh, they weren't allowed back in uh, to Palestine. So they didn't have, uh, they were stripped off their identity. They, they can't have that uh, Palestinian ID. Um, and we had the Jordanian passports then. Uh,
0: yeah, that's something that I, was struck me whenever I was out there was that there's like, you have to have a, a permit and an ID for nearly everything yeah,
1: yeah. out there.
0: What's, what's the kind of like a uh, brief kind of like way that system works?
1: Uh, The Palestinians have different uh, colored IDs. Unfortunately, we have green ones and pink ones and uh, yellow ones and all these uh, different colors of ID they gave us, uh, which uh, makes us different. Like from the West Bank and Gaza and from Jerusalem, each one has different permits and different ones. We can't. connect together like we can from the west bank can't visit gaza and from the jerusalem can't go to the west bank something like that like you know so it's 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 a horrible uh, system for the palestinians uh, but not all palestinians have these ids uh, i don't have it unfortunately because my parents as i said didn't, uh, they were stripped of their ID so they don't have it. We have the Jordanian passports and uh, so naturally I have the Jordanian passport uh, but I'm Irish now but the, the way I ended up here in Ireland is uh, I came here in 1988. Uh, my husband uh, was here before me in 1983. He came here to study medicine in Ireland. Uh, and uh, then uh, we got married in 1988, and uh, I joined him uh, here in Ireland to to finish his study. And we're still here. We established a family, and <laughs> we're still here. He's practicing a practicing doctor in uh, in Ireland. And uh, we're Irish. I have three kids who so were... Uh, All born here, uh, grew up here and studied here. At the time when you were moving into Ireland, there was probably more people trying
0: to get out of Ireland at that time, just because (laughs) of the different things that were going on.
1: Ireland was different, very different.
0: Did you feel some sort of connection with Ireland when you came here first? Uh,
1: When I came first, first, I got a culture shock, to be honest with you, because it was different to to, um, Qatar, where I... uh, uh, grow up. Uh, when we were young, my parents used to take us to Palestine to for visits. It was easier. Uh, they usually have that uh, permit to uh, to go across from Jordan to, to Palestine. So we used to go every summer uh, for three months holidays. My, my parents were teachers and uh, they had three months holidays. So we used to go and spend it in Palestine between Hebron, where my father is, and Gaza, where my mother is. And it was way easier than... Uh, than now, uh, I should say, uh, but uh, uh, it was different, like different, very different. Ireland was a, a European country, but was again different than the culture I grew up in. So I got a cultural shock at the start. But then I, uh, every time I say I'm a Palestinian, I'll, I I I see the connection, and it's it got better and better, stronger and stronger by uh, by the years. I think because of uh, the occupation maybe and uh, uh, the attacks on gaza um, made more made the irish people more aware uh, by i don't know maybe the social media as well so uh, by the years I, I since the 1988 until now i see the solidarity uh, of the irish people uh, growing every day stronger and stronger
0: and do you still have family back in, in Palestine and Gaza? Oh, yeah, and I do. Like I
1: do. I do. I do have oh. my uh, aunties, my uh, grandparents uh, who died in, uh, in Hebron and Gaza. Unfortunately, without my, my I was very close to my uh, mom's grandmother, uh, my mom's mom, uh, my grandmother from my mother's side. And uh, she died about uh, nearly four years, more than you know, four years ago. And uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go and see her to say goodbye. I always talked to her on the phone through all these uh, horrible attacks on Gaza, and uh, she kept saying, Fatten, do something! You're you're an island. Talk to them. Let them know how we suffer. Let them know. Help us. Like you know, do anything." And I promised her. Sorry. Uh promised her to keep my voice and uh, let them, uh, the Irish people, hear uh, our struggle, hear our, uh, about our cause. and uh, They are helping, but I couldn't go and see her to say goodbye. Uh, neither my mom uh, didn't allow her. The Israelis didn't allow her uh, to go and say goodbye to her. I still have my aunties uh, and my uncles, all my mother's uh, brothers and sisters still in Gaza. One of them actually um, had cancer. She's she got all the clear last year, but still, uh, during uh, all these uh, attacks in Gaza, two thousand and eight, nine, and then two thousand and twelve, and then two thousand and fourteen, she she. She found it really hard to go and get treatment, and, uh, because they don't, they don't have the treatment, the cancer treatment in Gaza. So she had to go to the West Bank, Jerusalem, to to get the treatment, and it's it wasn't easy at all. Sometimes they refuse her uh, uh, application to go out and uh, t- to the, her permit, I should say, to to leave uh, Gaza for the treatment. Uh, uh, I still have a, fa- uh, a sister in Gaza as well. <laughs> uh, my sister got married to. Uh, a Palestinian from Gaza, and uh, she moved there. So uh, I have a piece of my heart there as well, you know, and uh, my nieces and nephews and uh, these nieces and nephews lived that three major attacks on Gaza. What's le- life
0: like for them from day to day out there?
1: Uh, they're living, you know, and sometimes actually strange that they give me strength. Uh, sometimes I feel I'm helpless and I can't do anything. And but they give me that uh, strength uh, that they're they're living. They're they can't lose the hope. They they have that hope. Uh, they're okay. I should say, like uh, my sister is better than others uh, in the camp in Shijaya and other areas in um, Gaza Strip. Uh, she lives in Gaza City. But still, they suffered, of course, and they are still suffering from the siege. They have no freedom of movement. They have uh, no freedom of uh, getting from place to another. They're they always worries, like when her children goes out, are they gonna come back? Are they not? Uh, during the attacks, you can't imagine. You can't imagine. No one can imagine how they live, and, or how how I feel when these attacks happen, and they don't answer the phone, for example. I'll go mental because they don't have electricity every day of course or they have it four hours per day but during the attacks sometimes they'll have no uh, uh, they can't charge their phones to to answer me so they'll say relax will be grand but I can't because my connection with them is the phone during these attacks and every day of course but uh, I'm just describing how uh, during these horrible attacks on Gaza uh, which you can't uh, Uh, You you can't know if there is going to be another one. We always say, no, it's not going to be another one. It's not going to be repeated, but it happened again. Like my friends, colleagues, all the activists here in Ireland in 2012, they told me it's not going to happen again. 2014, major attack. Okay. Thousands of people killed. And I, I told them, you can't promise me, so I can't believe you it's not going to happen again because it's not up to you, unfortunately.
0: And like, what do you think the, the biggest misunderstanding people have about when Gaza is attacked, like the international community?
1: What do you mean by and like,
0: Say, you know the way if if Gaza is attacked and it's on the news, people can turn on the news yeah. and it, sometimes they, don't, oh. they think that it's the, the it's Palestinians' fault, exactly, has mm-hmm. after doing something. So, can you maybe talk a little bit about how that that misunderstanding comes about?
1: This misunderstanding from the media, unfortunately, because the mainstream media doesn't give justice to the Palestinian people. It always uh, gives the the narrative of the Israelis wherever they get them uh, the news, uh, and they'll, they'll just say it: "Oh, a Palestinian attack on Israel." caused thousands of Palestinians to be killed. No, it's not that. It's the it's the Palestinians' narrative who they should go to. But unfortunately that's uh something we always uh, have problem with is the the mainstream media narrative uh, of the Israelis, the lobby, the Israeli lobby is really strong unfortunately and they have the money to do so. Uh, we activists don't in ireland like uh, i'm talking about the mainstream in in, in ireland uh, as uh, activists we don't have that money to to give to the media or to to give the sources uh to give our story or the palestinian narrative but we ask them to to get it but unfortunately that's what happens so uh then that's our part in IPSC or other activists in Ireland to to bring that narrative and tell it. Uh, so what what we do is try our best to tell the people uh, the truth, the Palestinians' uh, side of the story, which isn't uh, in the mainstream media. Irish people they lived that uh, occupation. They felt that colonial. Uh, uh, regime, What's happening in Palestine, it's a, a colonial a project that happened here in Ireland and Irish people felt it and lived it uh, with the British uh, uh, occupying the land and uh, that colonial uh, regime. So they do feel with the Palestinian people. There is a connection. Uh, and as I said, Irish people are humans. They do uh, naturally are humans. So they feel... Whatever human rights should be, uh, there hugely uh, with the justice for the Palestinian people.
0: Um, Why do you think Israel are just keep going after the Palestinian people and keep attacking Gaza and keep like doing things in the West Bank? Why? Why? What's the what's the reason behind it?
1: What's the reason? They want a land without Palestinians. They just they don't want the Palestinians to live in uh, Palestine. They just want to take the land uh without the palestinians they don't want them to resist they don't want them to to say anything just take the land and stay in it take all the resources and live with it
0: the reason i went out to the west bank in march was cuz i wanted to learn more about it and find out more more about what was going on there but one of the things that struck me most was the um the scale of the sort of like economic and um, things that the, the taking of the natural resources mm. and hoarding the economic resources of Palestine by Israel was one thing that I'd never really heard that that narrative before until mm. I went out there and spoke to them. The The biggest narrative that, that you hear in the Western media is that it's a religious conflict that mm. uh, I say like the Arab people and the Jewish people have mm. difference and the Jewish people want to like land for themselves. Mm. But it, it, I never really got the impression that it was got to do with religion. And then when I speak to people who had spent their whole lives and their families, generations going back, always lived the all the religions lived together. Exactly. Like especially no, it's nothing. It's
1: not a religion. Um, it's not a religion uh, reason. It's it can't be because. We all live together in Palestine, Jewish, uh, Christian, and Muslim people. It's, it's nothing to do with the religion, not at all. It's about land, about uh, justice, about identity, about dignity. Uh, it's nothing to do with the re- religion. It's you know.
0: That's something that I think is very similar to the way that the conflict in Ireland was portrayed, that it was Catholics mm. and Protestants don't mm. like each other, mm. whereas uh, in actual fact it was more to do with...
1: Colonial you know, regime. Colonial project of stealing the land and the resources of the land. We are controlled. We Palestinians are controlled by all the resources. Like we don't have any control of our uh, economy. We don't have a. Con- we don't have airports. We don't have. We don't have any um, control of our uh, country.
0: And that so the economic side of things is that's more like backed by the Zionist movement. It, that's not a. It's not a Jewish thing. Well, no, it's right not a Jewish
1: day. thing. No, it's, it's, it's an Israeli uh, uh, Zionist uh, occupation. It's an uh, it's a Zionist project, a colonial Zionist project. It's nothing to do with Jewish people. No.
0: So what's what's the difference between Zionism and, and Judaism then?
1: Judaism is a religion, okay, and we have. Th- uh, lots of Jewish people who are supporting the Palestinian cause. We have lots of Jewish people uh, are with our uh, solidarity groups uh, around the world internationally, supporting uh, the Palestinians. So it's not nothing to do with Judaism. It's a, Zionism is uh, a movement. Uh, it's about colonialism, taking the land, taking the resources, and... Uh, just colonial project.
0: Is that, the, is that the main message from a Palestine from the Palestinian narrative? That's one of the main messages that doesn't get spread around out there. You never hear the word Zionism on the on the news. I've never heard the word Zionism on, mm, on the news, mm. I don't think, ever. So but that, you wouldn't
1: hear Jewish though, would you? It's it's about Israel. I
0: suppose so, that's true as well. Yeah. yeah. That's why
1: it's you're allowed to to um, to criticize Israel, uh, because of course, Israel make fear to others to criticize it and uh, uh, tie it to uh, anti-Semitism, which isn't right, because criticizing Israel as a state, as a colonial regime, nothing to do with uh, anti-Semitism because it hasn't nothing to do with uh, Jewish people. But that's the way they use it as a weapon against uh, any person who wants to criticize uh, Israel colonial regime for killing for their war crimes against the Palestinian people. Um, so they, they tie it to anti-Semitism, but it has nothing to do with that. And sh- people shouldn't be afraid of criticizing the uh, Israeli state for their war crimes uh, against the Palestinian people.
0: So from an international perspective, then what, what's the best thing that people can do to support the Palestinian cause?
1: just support the palestinian cause as the uh, whatever it's enshrined in, in, in the international uh, in the human rights uh, in the un uh, 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 regulations rules uh, it's uh, boycott and divestment and sanction i think it's the strongest uh, easiest uh, and more uh, practical uh, thing for people internationally to support the palestinian people um Boycott, BDS, is Boycott, Divestment and Sanction Israel until it uh, follows the international human rights.
0: uh Very similar campaign was run to bring down the apartheid system in South Africa. So that's kind of a good example to to look back towards.
1: Um, and Ireland was taking lead on that, it took lead on that, I should say. And uh, boy, how it started in uh, here. Uh, actually, Don just around corner from where we are. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> they started not handling, uh, refused to handle the, the oranges from South Africa. And that's how it started uh, ending that uh, apartheid regime. So it, it will, uh, BDS will be... Uh, way of bringing uh, apartheid Israeli regime uh, down.
0: You know, one of the one of the biggest things that seems to be like one of the sort of the main weapons of any colonizing power is to dehumanize the people that they're Mm. trying to colonize. Um, Happened in Ireland, happened with uh, um, black people in South Mm. Africa, black people in North America as well. And to a large extent, I guess that that they're doing that with with Palestinians.
1: Uh, they always dehumanize Palestinians. People look what happens um, uh, lately since uh, 30th of March uh, 2018, when the Palestinian in Gaza started protesting for their uh, basic human rights, which is uh, the right of return to go back. Uh, they just every day they dehumanizing them by shooting them by targeting them killing them, refusing to accept any of their demands. Um, the right of return is a basic rem- demand for any human uh, being. Um, these people in Gaza, more than 50% of them uh, in Gaza, who are the people who left uh, their, their homes in the 1948 uh, catastrophe. They moved to Gaza. Fifty percent of Gaza population are refugees from what happened in 1948, and they have the right to go back. That they, they are under siege in that, trapped in that small area in the Gaza Strip. Two million people have been uh, uh, ongoing siege since now. It's nearly uh, 12 year. Twelve year and they are under siege. They can't go anywhere. They can't leave. They can They are controlled by everything. Even their food is controlled. What to go in and out of uh, Gaza, and add to that uh, misery by uh, uh, living in an open air. The largest air, open air prison is the attacks. The constant attacks that happens to them, and the latest one was the shooting them. Uh, live fire because they're pro- peacefully protesting for their rights of uh, return.
0: Then it seems like whenever I was there, like there's a lot of effort that goes into trying to break down individual Palestinian people that are out there mentally and physically. Of course. What, what are the kind of things that that, um, that are happening out there at the moment? Uh, the...
1: Night uh, raids, let's say, uh, the night raids, They they during the night, my, my family in Hebron, my extended family still in Hebron, and they do have these night raids frequently. The soldier Israeli soldiers, fully armed, will come in the middle of the night, uh, knocking at the doors and uh, barging in the house, asking for their children, okay? They wake up the children up, middle of the night just to ask me a question or just to drag them to the to arrest them what else can i tell you that that is dehumanizing that is humiliating the family the children their parents because their father wouldn't be able to 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 defend them Uh, so that's they're humiliating that father in front of his children they're humiliating his siblings Uh, other than that what the wall the wall, of course, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the wall in Bethlehem. Yep. It surrounds uh, the West Bank, surrounds Bethlehem in particular, uh, other villages in uh, the West Bank. People can't go and visit each other. Uh, they have checkpoints and these checkpoints, it takes you hours to to go visit, for example, if my mother on the other side of the wall, I can't see her frequently because I need permits to go uh, to across these checkpoints, whatever uh, around that wall to go and see her. Uh, it prevents people, uh, farmers, to, to get access to their land. Uh, that is, uh, again... Uh, Kind of dehumanizing, dehumanizing that? Yeah. The, the Palestinians, yeah. the olive trees, the farmers—they uh, uproot these olive trees and they burn them. That uh, the settlers, the illegal settlers in the West Bank, uh, they constantly attack the Palestinian uh, farmers, villagers, the the roads, uh, the segregation roads, apartheid roads uh, in uh, the West Bank that people can. Uh, only Israelis can, are allowed on these roads, or uh, Palestinian only uh, uh, roads that they could uh, be attacked as well from the uh, illegal settlers uh so many things that, that it's a uh, endless list of dehumanizing the Palestinian people
0: uh. you mentioned the olive trees there I remember we were on the on the bus, so for anyone who maybe isn't familiar with it but the the West Bank was broken up in the, the three areas a B and C, so yeah. one area under Palestinian control, another under Israeli control, another under joint control but we, I was with Salah uh, from the Laji center on the bus and we were driving down the main road and he said that uh, that olive tree used to be in the A camp. And they lifted it out of the camp he said they they, they, an the on it. they yeah. just took the olive tree out of the ground, mm. put it in, in the REC place. Mm. But what I have to say that probably one of the one of the, the areas that was like most sort of like intimidating was Hebron for sure, oh, because yeah. of the fact that it, everyone was just on top of each other, oh. and even we were looking at the, the water tanks on top of the houses mm. where settlers were shooting the water tanks. Water storage tanks just so that people wouldn't have any water in their in their houses. So it's like it's a very intense experience to be there,
1: I guess. Shocking. Hebron is uh really one of the worst in the West Bank.
0: Obviously the trauma that is being caused by what's going on out there is is enormous. Mm-hmm. Like what what effect does that have on, on people's lives?
1: And people's life and yeah. general, like just your mental life. health and yeah. The the I don't know. The Palestinians people are amazing (laughs) people. They, the, what's the word? The resilience is the smooth, we call it. The steadfastness of them. It's amazing. They full of hope, full of life. Uh, They love life if they can live it. Like our uh, national poet, uh, Mahmoud Darwish said, we love life if we get away to it. Uh, they love life and live it as much as they can. Um, I'm sure they live in a trauma, like a mother. I can't imagine me losing a child uh, by an Israeli soldier, uh, shot him, or I can't imagine a mother's feeling when they drag her son or daughter middle of the night and put them in Israeli prison. Uh, Young children as 13 were... Uh, taken by Israelis they give them of course they have no rights of they don't know Hebrew and they give them the consent with no parents uh, allowed to be with them no adult will be with them and they leave them in that room I can't imagine how this mother feels because how can she live, how can she sleep that night how can she I don't know, the resilience is amazing Uh, as I said at the start, my, they give me strength for some reason. I don't know how they manage, but they're full of life, full of hope, uh, despite all the trauma they live in.
0: What do you hope Like is going to be the eventual resolution of what's going on out there?
1: Justice, equality, and freedom for all Palestinians.
0: Is there a vision for how that would take place? Because you hear some people talking about like the two state solution and different kind of.
1: I can't believe there. I don't believe in the two state solution. And, and as a the chair of ireland Palestine Solidarity Campaign, I can't say we don't have a say on uh, what is to because it's up to the Palestinians themselves to decide. So we are not with one state or two state solution. So if I'm, I'm talking to you now in a personal capacity that. Uh, the Palestinians say, and it's obvious that the two-state solution is dead. It's gone. What two-state solution? What, what is the second state you're, they're What talking about? The occupied West Bank and the sieged Gaza? Is that what they're talking about? There's no area in the West Bank that's not occupied or has uh, an illegal settlements in it. So it's... Uh, one state, I don't know it's, uh, if if that is the solution. But what we're looking for is uh, equality, uh, freedom, and justice for everybody. Peace uh, that achieved by the justice and equality to Palestinians.
0: You can see when you look at the map of the progression of the settlements that even if an area isn't doesn't have a settlement in it, it's uh, surrounded by settlements. Exactly. So it's, mm-hmm. it, it does look like it's, it looks like a like a piece of honeycomb or something, Mm. just little pockets of Mm. Palestinian areas scattered around. Um, What do you think about the Occupied Territories Bill that's, that's hopefully going to come through in Ireland at the minute?
1: Well, it's great. Great uh, (laughs) solidarity from Ireland to Palestine and I'm really grateful and thankful to uh, Francis Black, Senator Francis Black who brought it in. Um, I've been talking to her frequently about this and she's updating us and we meet uh, to to talk uh, about what's the next step and all, but uh, it's a concrete step. Mm -hmm. It's a a major concrete step uh, towards uh, justice and equality for the Palestinian people. It should be uh, boycotted anyway because they are illegal. They called illegal <laughs> settlements. But it's a great step from Ireland and uh, great solidarity, I hugely appreciate it and hopefully it will pass in the in the doll though.
0: Like the vast majority of the um TDs seem to be supporting it, but there just seems to be a little bit of resistance to it still. Like Fine Gael still haven't know the really government. backed it. Mm, unfortunately, yeah. But What's the story with that user do you know like why why would they do that or
1: it's just um, I don't know, it's um, Israeli lobbying, maybe, uh, I don't know. If, like, is there an Israeli lobby in, in, Ar- in Ireland as well? Uh, I'm sure there are, yeah. I'm sure there are. The Israeli e- lobby, it's uh, strong everywhere in the world, internationally. Uh, uh, the United States as well, uh, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a project coming soon. Uh, Laji uh, is a culture centre. Uh, as you know, you've been there as well yourself and you've seen them, uh, they it's a great uh place for uh, for children to to have to what do you call what's the word uh, to to vent out uh, their stress and their trauma by learning music uh, dance and uh, art all other activities uh, to the young children uh, and young adults as well i should say so uh, laji uh, we came here in Ireland we we brought them uh, visited Ireland in 2014 and we had a big concert in uh, Liberty Hall which was a hugely successful concert sold out and people queued for hours to, for the the tickets so hopefully we're going to have them we have a, we had a concert as well in Galway I should say and it was uh, hugely successful as well so uh, the plan is uh, for everybody to look forward to uh, lads are coming back uh, on 2020 uh, so we haven't decided dates and uh, 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 agenda yet, but uh, they will be back to th- 2020 uh, with the Dabka and Music Group.
0: Like one, the, I think the main thing that struck me about the Lazy Center um, that well, obviously it's it's based with it's based in the, the Ed Refugee Camp just outside the gate, um, which gives like the kids a great outlet, as you say. But one thing that I is like really stuck out of my mind was that. The Israeli army and the Israeli authority and the government do so much to try and strip the Palestinian identity away, to Mm. take the culture away and stop people from um, learning about it. It seems to do something like some sort of like miracle with the kids there that kind of gives them their identity back and gives them a sense of self-confidence. Is that like how important is that? Is that approach that say like or where does that come from?
1: It's from our steadfastness, (laughs) our smooth, our culture is part of us. And uh, Israel constantly tried to to take that from us. Uh, You can see a few months back, they uh, demolished, they attacked a culture center in Gaza, Uh, put it to the ground. They demolished the place. It's just for God's sake. It's just a cultural center. demolish it because our culture is part of our identity and we can't leave that so we are teaching it to our kids Uh, my children were born here grow up here but they are they grew up as palestinians they know they are palestinians although they've never been to palestine i've been to palestine but they they never been to palestine our culture my dress my embroidered dress my kufiya. Uh, zatar, <laughs> zatar, which is uh, thyme, uh, is part of our culture. It's something we eat, and uh, I always tell my children that uh, zatar is the reason why we are smart. And you have to eat the since they were young. They have their zatar sandwich, <laughs> and there is school lunch, and uh, other kids in the school. They'll say, "What's that? You're you're eating grass? What is that green thing <laughs> with the olive oil?" Uh, so we. We have to keep that identity. Uh, it's something Palestinian, you should say. I don't know. Every, I, I think everybody would like to, to keep their culture uh, alive. And The Lajit Center are doing that uh, to the kids in Palestine, which every family, I think they do that as well uh, in the diaspora.
0: Like In a way, it seems that it's potentially that having the kids that are coming up uh, learn about their culture and having a positive sense of self worth mm. and everything yeah. is nearly like gonna secure the future for Palestine in a way. Like Bobby Sands has Absolutely, a good yeah. quote, Our revenge will be the laughter of our children. And like, mm. it's something there that definitely, yeah. though, in Belfast, we, we were like brought up with our Irish language and stuff. And you can see that that generation now is kind of leading the community mm. there. So
1: because it's, they will be proud of their identity. It's give them confidence, as you said. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I agree with you.
0: Would it be right to say that the like bringing kids up with a sense of their, of their culture and um, music and dance and stuff like that there is say it's kind of a resistance to the oppression as yes, well?
1: I agree because they, they keep it. It's, it's our heritage, our uh, culture and by learning it, they give them strength. I think, because I am a Palestinian, I can't play oud. I am Palestinian, I can't do the dabka. Uh, it definitely helps their uh, confidence and strength.
0: Yeah, I'm, I Resistance. must do a lot for the mental health as well. What's the relationship with the Palestinian Authority like at the minute? Because it seems to be that on when when I was there, that people didn't have a lot of faith in the Palestinian Authority, mm. and it also seems that. The, um, the Israeli army could basically do whatever they want, even in the Palestinian mm. areas, anyway?
1: Unfortunately, yeah, uh, the Palestinian, that's what we're talking about, that what to state uh, because the Palestinian Authority has no authority on the West Bank uh, and Gaza is under siege, you know. So uh, the Israelis' army could come in any time uh, to the West Bank and arrest wherever they want and do whatever they want and then leave. So uh, the division unfortunately uh, is one of our worst uh, uh, things uh, to the palestinians who are facing uh, the division is strictly uh, weakening us unfortunately between the two factions fatah and hamas and uh, we should we shouldn't uh, like you know we should end that division uh, and focus on what we need for all Palestinians one Palestine. What's
0: the role of women in the Palestinian resistance?
1: Oh, the woman is the resistance. <laughs> <laughs> women are really powerful, um, and you can see uh, that in a film I've seen actually uh, recently. Uh, it was produced and uh, screened here in Human Rights Day. Uh, International Human Rights Day. It's called Nailah and the Uprising. It shows you what uh, the Palestinian part, uh, Palestinian women part, in the first Intifada, the first uprising, we call it Intifada. Uh, how important! And again, you're going to see that on the Wanted 18 film as well. Part of it, you'll sh- you'll you'll see what's the, the Palestinian role. Uh, in their community, in their, uh, at the uprising uh, that happened in uh, late 80s. Um, the Palestinian women, powerful women, uh, I should say, and it's the, the grassroots movement in Palestine raised them to be resistance. You know? okay.
0: So what kind of work are you guys doing at the minute with the APSE?
1: IPSC, it's uh, Ireland-Palestine Solidarity Campaign. It's an organization that started in 2001 by uh, uh, activists, uh, volunteers, activists from all spectrum of the uh, uh, community in Ireland. And uh, there are teachers, musicians, uh, lawyers uh, from everywhere. Okay. And they're all volunteers to work for uh, the Palestinian uh, right to have their freedom, justice and equality. Uh, so it's been going around since 2001, as I said, and uh, we do lots of uh, activities. Of course, we, we, as I said, we try to bring the Palestinian narrative uh, to the uh, Irish people. We bring Palestinians, uh, first-hand Palestinians, to speak as first hand to the Irish people about their uh, uh, whatever is uh, their life is in Palestine. We bring people from Hebron, from uh, uh, any area from the West Bank from uh, if we can, from Gaza if we can as well uh, we had speakers as well from uh, Palestinians within Israel uh, as well to speak about uh, because they are as well suffering uh, the uh, second or third uh, 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 degree of citizens because they don't, uh, they're not, they are Israeli but not Jewish people, so they're treated differently, and they don't, they have different set of laws. So they're Palestinians who were uh, within, within, within remained, the area yes, that Israel yeah. took over. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, in IPSC, we support all Palestinians wherever they are, in the West Bank, uh, within Israel in the 1948, and uh, in Gaza. And we support the Palestinians in the uh, diaspora, the Palestinians in the uh, refugee camps uh, in Syria, Lebanon, uh, all these Jordan, all these areas. So we support the Palestinians uh, everywhere. And we try to bring uh, their culture, their narrative, their story to the Irish uh, public. Uh, We do as well lobby the politicians to to support uh, the Palestinian cause, wherever it is.
0: I spoke at length with a few women out there. One was talking about the trouble that she would have gone through the airport with mm. her kids—that there were there were strip searches, strip searches mm. at the airport. Um, what airport? At um, Ben Gurion in Tel Aviv.
1: Palestinians wouldn't be allowed. To she was. Ben-Gurion. She had a Israeli. Um, oh, she has Israeli, she an Israeli a Israeli passport. Uh, yeah. oh, okay. I see, yeah. um,
0: and there was a, another woman who was gone to visit her son in mm. prison, mm. And, and like the process that they were putting mm. putting her through. So it's obvious that the Israeli army see the women as one of the main forms of Threats, resistance yeah. against them?
1: Oh, of course. Absolutely. The, the mothers of the Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails. We, we had in May, we had a big conference here and we brought uh, a Palestinian uh, mother uh, or she, I should say grandmother uh, because she's at that age. She's a, a, a Nakba survivor. And uh, she had a son in uh, Israeli prison for the past 27 years. Uh, we brought her here from IPSC to, for Irish people to hear her story. Uh, that was last May on the uh, 70th uh, anniversary of the Nakba. Uh, commemorating uh, the 17th anniversary of the Nakba. So we brought her here to to open up the conference. We had a big conference, uh, a weekend conference, and uh, she started with her narrative. That's what we wanted for Irish people to hear. And uh, she brought many tears uh, to the crowds because when she told her story, the resilience she has and how she hasn't touched her son for 27 years, she, they allow her to visit him in prison, but uh, not frequently. You know, uh, once uh, she was punished, I think for seven years not to see him because uh, something happened. They found out that she passed a message or something like that, uh, and they prevent her, punished her not to see him, even not to visit him in prison for uh, six or seven years. So they. It's obvious how the Palestinian women's are, uh, the Palestinian women are uh, resilience, and uh, they see them as a threat, maybe to Israel. Well,
0: what what's what are the events that are coming up for the APIC?
1: Uh We're going to have an um, every year we have something called uh, Israeli Apartheid Week, uh, which comes once uh, one a week uh, in the year. Okay. And uh, for that week, we uh, uh, raise awareness about Palestine. We talk about Palestine, uh, about the resistance, and... Uh, uh, All uh, internationally, uh, this happens all around the world in universities and communities and anybody who could take it to raise awareness uh, about uh, Palestine. It's really good in uh, universities because uh, uh, more young people will learn uh, about Palestine to to support uh, the cause, uh, which uh, is great here in Ireland. uh, There are a group called uh, Justice Uh, Students for Justice for Palestine. Uh, There's one in Trinity College. uh, They launched one in DIT uh, recently. Uh, I think there is in Maynooth. uh, There's a group. uh, I'm not sure where other else, but it's... uh, So these all take part in that uh, Israeli Apartheid Week. Uh, We do, in IPSC, organize an event around uh, branches. We have branches all around the country. Uh, we have one in Belfast, in Galway, in Limerick, in uh, Charlie, uh, Cork. Cork, of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course, Cork and uh, other cities. I can't remember, uh, but uh, all all over the country, uh, we have branches. Uh, they will take bo- on board that uh, apartheid week, uh, whatever they do it nationally, uh, a boycott day or uh, street theatres we do in the street to raise awareness about uh uh, for example the wall and how the palestinians uh, live through that wall and the checkpoints uh, the suffering and the uh, humiliation they they suffer uh, uh, in these checkpoints students going back to school or going to school uh, going back from school that uh, through the checkpoints uh, uh, pregnant women going through to to get to delivery, to deliver their babies in um, hospitals. Some, some of them will unfortunately deliver at uh, the checkpoints. And there are uh, a few cases which uh, uh, the mother died, unfortunately, or the baby. Uh, uh, so we do these street theater to show people. Uh, sometimes we do a street theater to show um, the olive picking uh, harvest and how the Palestinians uh, uh, face uh, what what they face in their uh, olive picking uh, from the settlers, uh, the illegal settlers, and the Israeli army backing them up. Um, so that will be the apartheid week. We have a film screening on the third of March uh, this year. The apartheid week will be uh, the last week of February. Uh, we'll have a film screening on the third of March. Uh, will uh, screen uh, it's going to be in Pierce Center um, about a film called uh, The Wanted 18 it's really good film uh, funny but it shows uh, the during the first intifada how the uh, Beit uh, people in uh, the West Bank uh, boycotted uh, the Israelis and how they brought, uh, they wanted to produce milk themselves. Uh, So they brought a cow and it didn't work. So it's really funny film, but it's good. Uh, So whoever would like to join us, uh, please do on the 3rd of uh, March. We follow what the Palestinians want. We don't work here without... Uh, it's, it's for the for Palestinians and it's for Palestine so we we don't have our own uh, agendas no it's whatever the Palestinian people want so we take th- that like the boycott divestment and sanction the BDS movement it started from civil societies in Palestine all asked for uh, 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 the BDS for the international communities how to help because uh, the international community unfortunately failed to support, uh, I'm I'm talking about the powers now, uh, to support the Palestinian uh, people. So the civil society from Palestine started that call, follow uh, like uh, the South African example of ending the apartheid. So they said, let's uh, follow that example and call for BDS, uh, for international communities to help them. Uh, It's a a effective way, and it's uh, it's not only condemnation. Like for the international community to condemn and condemn and condemn, we don't want these condemns. We want them to uh, change these condemns to actions by working with the boycott, divestment, and sanction.
0: And there's a list, isn't there, of boycott boycotting products? The products. Yes, in
1: IPSC we have. we the boycott of course there are the academic boycott there are the culture boycott it's not only boycott uh products from the is- israel or uh, like francis blackbell which is uh, boycotting only uh, products from illegal settlements uh, products but we're talking about the general uh, bds which is the general boycott for all uh, stuff coming from Israel. Uh, we have a list uh, of uh, Irish artists, uh, uh, Raymond Dean, our uh, a director in IPSC. He started that pledge, asking artists to uh, sign a pledge not to participate in Israel. So we have uh, more than 600 uh, Irish artists uh, signed that pledge in support of the Palestinians' uh, 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 culture boycott. We have as well the academic boycott, which um, I I can't remember how many on the list, but there are lots of Irish academics, hundreds of Irish academics, who uh, again support the academic uh, boycott, which is boycotting Israel until it uh, respects the human rights uh, rules and regulations. Uh, and other, we have other boycotts, but uh, we we have the list of the products. We have a, a, a leaflet to show the products. We have it on our website, www.ipsc.ie as well. Uh, you will have all this um, information uh, for uh, boycott, divestment and sanction as well. Uh,
0: maybe a good place to finish up, but I think that one of the most important things for me and um, personally was that to realise that, you know, like, we're all like humans on the same boat. Absolutely. And I think that like, we're all the
1: same. We feel the same. And that's something I learned when I came here. I lived here. Um, the first year, I found it really hard, you know, to to cope with the different culture and uh, nobody of my family around. I couldn't call them because it was too expensive to call. They, were, they weren't mobiles at that time. So it was really hard to communicate with my family. No Skype, nothing. And, um, uh, uh i started like having friends irish friends and i i learned a lot uh during these years uh, the first years of my uh, life here in ireland that we're all the same we're all humans and we share feelings, we share things, we share, like I learned from them that some of the uh, TV series I used to watch when I was young and they watched here, like I watch it in in Qatar and they watch it here in Ireland. So we share lots of things. We, we share feelings, we share love to music and the songs and uh, and all these things. So we, we're all humans and we all share uh, things together. And if
0: one human is getting this injustice, then it's kind of happening yeah. to all of us.
1: That's why I told you Irish are humans. That's what I meant. Maybe I couldn't uh, express it well, but I mean uh, human when I mean human. They're they're naturally, uh, like by birth, they are loving to justice, loving to human rights, loving to equality. Uh, That's why they are very supportive of the Palestinian cause because it's injustice. The injustice happening to the Palestinian people, Irish people can't bear. That's why they are so supportive. That's how I feel.
0: There's a old Irish proverb, which means there's strength in unity.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in Arabic as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. Um, Thank you for your time and uh, for your interest in Palestine and uh, your endless support as well. Uh, great.
0: A hard That's episode 32 of the Rebel Matters podcast, all wrapped up. Go Mila to for taking the time out of her day to record this episode and also for sharing her personal story with us. This was recorded up in the Ireland-Palestine Solidarity Campaigns offices in Wherever you're listening to this episode, give us a five star rating and a view just to let me know that you're out there, that you're listening, and that you're enjoying the podcast. If you have something crap to say, uh, maybe just drop me a line personally and don't leave it on the review. But uh, otherwise, Put all the good stuff online so people can uh, see the Rebel Matters podcast uh, that it's out there that we're doing good stuff and share it around with your mates on social media. You do know the crack by now, anyway. Shenea, thanks a million for tuning in. Thanks a million for listening, and thanks a million for keep coming back every week. The listenership is uh, going up all the time, which is really good to see. So, kajin katerala hardja, keni fure ogas